morning I want to share a little bit with you this morning about uh, a Jericho encounter and that will become more evident as we go ahead we'll look at Luke's gospel chapter 18 and 19 portions of those two uh, chapters 18 and 19 Jericho encounter but I'm going to begin with something that's um, appears to be completely unrelated to this but it's not but it may appear to be and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. It's not the greatest topic in the world. But some of you, during this past week, may have observed a, um, a report on Fox News by Tucker Carlson. And he was speaking about Canada. He loves to talk about Canada. Not in a flattering way, but he does talk about it. Now, the issue he was discussing on his program had to do with assisted suicide. And so I'm going to present you a little video clip of his program to begin, very short. Then I'll say a few things about the background of this, uh, Bill C-7, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Bill C-7 was passed in March of 2021. And this uh, it would be a bill to amend the criminal code, Section 241, to uh, permit medical assistance in dying, as they called it. I call it assisted suicide. So this bill would, pre would um, amend the criminal code to uh, permit medical assistance in dying for individuals whose natural death is not reasonably foreseeable. Because originally in 2016, I think it was, when this was enacted and passed in Canada, it was only for those whose death was imminent and immediately foreseeable. But then there were others who began to protest that, and I'll talk just very briefly about this. Why am I going to talk about this? Is because the main thrust of our message this morning on Jericho Encounter, I believe, really is the way in which this, these kinds of things need to be addressed. 
we begin, Pat will play this for us, Tucker Carlson from last week. Here he is. So Margaret Marcilla is a mother who lives outside Toronto, Canada. She's got a 23-year-old son who suffers from depression and diabetes. Also, he doesn't have a girlfriend. On that basis alone, doctors have just approved her son's assisted suicide. A doctor called Joshua Tepper signed off on it to kill the boy because he's sad and doesn't have a girlfriend. We know this because of the Substack Common Sense. You can read the details, and you should. They're shocking. This is about to become a lot more common in Canada as a way of cutting down on health care costs. By March, a new law in Canada is expected to allow children to be killed by doctors, by state doctors, without the approval of their parents. This seems like a very big change in Western civilization. Charles Camacy is a professor at Creighton School of Medicine. He's the author of Losing Our Dignity. He joins us tonight. Um, I, I sure appreciate your coming on to assess this. We've had this conversation multiple times, and each time we do, we reach a new and more terrifying load. Doctors killing kids without telling their parents because the kids are depressed? Let's see if I have the laundry list right, Tucker, at this point. We've got kids now, or what they call mature minors. We've got the homeless. We talked about that last time. The poor, the disabled, those with chronic pain. Um, and then right before coming on, I researched the physicians group in Quebec that wants to kill newborn infants. That's what's coming next. The Toronto Star, Tucker, a very liberal paper in Canada, called this Hunger Games Social Darwinism. This is what happens, Tucker, when a, um, autonomy just goes nuts. Now, this bill, C-7, again, was passed in uh, March of 2021. The Senate passed it. It was given royal assent a few days later. Now, the vote in the Senate was 60 in favor of the bill to pass the bill. 60 people, 60 votes. 25 were opposed and five abstained. Now, that's a, that's a very significant margin, margin in favor of passing this bill. Now, it wasn't as if there was no presentation in opposition to the bill because before the bill was voted on to be passed, Many groups appeared, including medical doctors, psychiatrists, um, various groups, made an appearance, gave presentation before the Senate, encouraged them to, encouraging them to oppose this bill, which, of course, they did not oppose, but passed by an overwhelming majority of 60 to 25. Now, when this was passed in 2021, they said in the bill there were portions of it that would take effect immediately, then there was another provision in the bill which involved those who were suffering from mental illnesses. And they said those who would suffer from mental illnesses, this, they would not be eligible for this medical assist, assistance in dying until uh, two years after this bill was passed. This brings us to March 2023. And this is what Tucker's ref, uh, program is referring to, is this coming March now. 2023, there will be, there will be a, a provision in this amendment to the criminal code that will allow people suffering from mental illnesses alone. This is where you get in now to this idea of um, so-called mature minorities and so on, various groups of individuals who then can make a petition, an application to have assistance in their suicide. This is, um, uh, this is something that is so far away from 
our heritage, that it's almost unbelievable that we would find ourselves in this kind of a position. And yet we are here and there is a kind of perverse logic behind this. Let me just say very briefly, if I can, this morning. All right, we have, a part, as part of our Constitution in Canada, as you know, Charter of Rights and Freedoms. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms is part of our Canadian Constitution. Among the rights in the Charter is the legal right, and the legal rights is a, life, is a right to life, liberty, our friends in the southern border here, across the border, is pursuit of happiness, but here it's life, liberty, and personal security. So life, liberty, and personal security is we have legal rights to those. Now the word life, we have a right to life. Now the way this is being understood and the way this is being applied is that the individual has personal autonomy over their life. They have personal governance over their life. Now, this kind of sounds good when you say you have a legal right to life, liberty, and personal security. And I say that sounds great to me, but the way it's being applied now is a person, if a person has complete autonomy with regards to their life, then they have the right to decide when that ends. And so this is the logic. It's a perverse, distorted, in my view, logic, but it is a logic. And it is, uh, if you take and completely ignore God and his authority and his governance and government over these matters of life and death. And you take the human being and you elevate the human being to the throne of God. And you say the human, the human being has absolute authority over these matters. Then why would they not have a right to decide when it ends? So this is the perverse logic that is prevailing in our country not only in our country, but throughout the Western world. Now, the other part of this that applies to even, you might say, juveniles or adolescents or younger people or those who are mentally ill is that according to the Charter of Rights, is these rights should be equal to all. They're equal to everyone. This is a part of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms that these rights and freedoms apply to everyone. So you can't you can't say they don't apply to this age group. They only apply to this age group because it applies to everyone. See, the, again, we have this perverse logic. So if everyone has a right to life and everyone has absolute autonomy over life and when it ends, then how can you say that it doesn't apply to this person as opposed to this other person? This is the kind of mess. It is um, personal autonomy gone mad is what it is. Personal autonomy gone mad. And so, as I sat the, this week to give some thought to what we would share this morning, the uh, question, the first question I always ask is, what is needed? What is needed? There's so many things that we can talk about. Um, and I believe we could talk about to advantage, but what is most needed? And it came to me, this passage in Luke's chapter 18 and 19, which I'm referring to as the Jericho encounter, because it's easy to be consumed by the symptoms that are going on around us, the symptoms of a disease. Uh, we have disease prevalent in our country. 
and there are symptoms to that disease. And we can get caught up with those symptoms. And I've just described what I view as some of the symptoms. I believe this whole issue, Bill C-7, made medical assistance in dying, on and on, all of this, these are symptoms of something else. And it is that something else. I believe that is what we are called to focus on and look at most deeply. The remedy here, we need to locate the cause. And this is what we'll look at this morning, is what is the cause of this malady, this affliction, that is causing uh, logic to go, become perverted and distorted. Reasonable, otherwise reasonable people are unreasonable completely because they are ignoring the most vital of facts and information and truths. And it is those truths that uh, because they are ignored and they are absent in the lives of so many, human beings are left to their own devices. And they are using, considering themselves, Scripture says, considering themselves to be wise, they became fools. And this is precisely what is happening. Exactly what the Scriptures say, uh, tell us what happened as we approach these end times. So we'll concentrate this morning then on this uh, subject of the Jericho encounter, and I'm coming to Luke chapter 18 with you, and I'll begin at verse 35. And Jesus is coming now from the Galilee region. He is going to go to Jerusalem, knowing that the time of his ascension is drawing near, which means that the crucifixion is near. And with all this in mind, he sets his face, while he's in the Galilee, he sets his face as flint, and his destination is Jerusalem. And he journeys south, and now this morning he comes near to a place called Jericho. And Jericho is a place uh, where wealthy people live. Jericho is a place of commerce. Uh, Jericho is a place where there's a lot of trade. There's a lot of business activity occurring in Jericho. And uh, one of the things that is uh, traded in Jericho significantly is balsam. Balsam. Uh, balsam comes from the balm in Gilead. You know, the scripture talks about a balm or healing in Gilead. And the balsam was used, uh, the resins and so on were made into ointments. And this was used for, to treat various diseases, including skin diseases and burns and many other things. So there was a huge um, business activity and trading taking place in Jericho. People would come and people would go from Jericho. Wealthy people lived there. And so Jesus is approaching Jericho, and there's a blind man, and he's, he's sitting beside the road, and he's begging. And it says in verse 36 of this 18th chapter, now hearing a crowd going by, hearing a crowd going by. Certain things when I was reading this passage that kind of just jumped out to me and invited my attention. Hearing a crowd going by. Not seeing because he's blind, but he could hear something. And it was unusual. It was a crowd. They were going by. And he began to inquire what it was. He said, what is the, what, you know, what's happening? Now, there's something about this crowd that was going by that is very, very special because the crowd would be the people who were accompanying Jesus as he is approaching Jericho. What would be so unique about these people? Why would they be accompanying him in the first place? And what would the nature of this crowd be? What would the atmosphere be like? 
Well, these are people who've had their lives absolutely transformed. There are people here who were blind, like this man, who now see, and people who were deaf who now hear. People who were lame and crippled and never walked were walking and praising God and jumping and leaping. And the atmosphere is joyful beyond words. Just a marvelous, marvelous joy. Exhilaration. This is not a silent crowd. This is a fairly noisy crowd. There are people in this crowd who are praising God and praising God for the times that we are, at that moment, the times that they are living in. And this blind man, he hears all this. This reminded me, as I was reading this, reminded me of a great revival of Christianity and where the Spirit of God is ministering to people in marvelous ways and people's lives are being transformed and testimonies are abundant. You know, um, we are living in a period of time now where our testimonies are lacking. We need. And now, this is the part we find so difficult because you can't command testimonies. You know, you can open up an opportunity for testimonies. Uh, a lot of times they kind of flat. They, things go kind of silent. You know, you, you, somebody has a testimony. I'm not talking about trying to, you know, extract a testimony. I'm talking about a work of grace profound transformation in the lives of people where it's impossible for them to remain silent, where they just must give voice to what God is doing and has done in their lives. And this is the kind of crowd that he hears. And we need that kind of crowd now. And the silence, the absence of that kind of crowd, or that, those kinds of testimonies, even out into the marketplace. We've got so many things going on in the marketplace Tucker Carlson gave us something from the marketplace. I want to hear testimonies from the marketplace. I believe that we are not hearing them and we should be hearing them. There's something that is missing here. What's missing is the tremendous ministry of the Spirit and Word of God that transforms people's lives where they must give evidence, they must give voice. And the giving evidence and the giving voice is a noise and a sound. And there's an atmosphere that accompanies that that is absolutely marvelous. This kind of environment draws people to it. It attracts people to it. This blind man was attracted to it. Now, they, they told him, they said, well, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, this, uh, this jumped out to me, too. He's passing by. It's like there's times when there's an opportunity that comes. The opportunity comes and then it passes by. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us opportunity. He gives us moments of his visitation. And during those moments of visitation, we must take advantage of them. This blind man only has a little bit of time now to take advantage of it. If he remains silent and just sits there, then he's going to remain blind and Jesus will have passed by. And he's not going to let that happen. So he begins to cry out. He says, Jesus, son of David. There's something he knows something. I don't know how he came into the possession of this, but he knows something here that is very scriptural and biblical. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people that were around him told him to be quiet. They said, you know, just, just be quiet. 
But the more they told him to be quiet, the louder he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, he recognized he is the anointed one. He is the prophesied one. He is the promised one. The son of David. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And he questioned him and said, uh, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. So obviously he had had sight, lost it. He said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said, receive your sight. And then he said this, your faith has made you well. I've often pondered at that. To me, I believe it's absolutely clear what this means. Is that the, there is something called faith that the Bible talks about a lot. We've talked a little bit about faith here, even recently. And the faith is essential for the appropriateness of the command to go forth. In other words, his faith made it appropriate for the Lord to issue the command. It's not possible to please God apart from faith. There has to be a faith to receive these promises from God. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Now, obviously, it wasn't just his faith all by itself because he had the faith before, but he didn't receive his sight until Jesus commanded it. And Jesus said, receive your sight. He commanded it immediately. He received it. But it, the faith was essential in order for the Lord to issue the command. And this is the great thing that needs to happen now, is that people need to come into this place through the ministry of the Word, by the Spirit anointed, and come into a place called a place of faith, confidence in God, confidence in His Word. It is that kind of environment now that makes it appropriate for the miraculous and the Word of God to take effect in people's lives. And this is what happened to him. Immediately he regained his sight, and then this happened. Guess what he did? He says he immediately began following him. He became part of the crowd. And then it says, glorifying God. Do you think that's uh, quiet? That's not quiet. So he began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, guess what they did? They gave praise to God. So you have a crowd following Jesus, accompanying him as he enters Jericho, and they loudly are praising God, giving testimony to his goodness. There is a certain environment now that prevails. This is needed today here, 2022. This is needed. And we can lament all these things that are happening in our society, which are woeful. And I'm not opposed to lamenting them. But that will not get at the cause of them. The cause of them is sin spiritual sickness and disease of the mind and spirit. There has to be an attraction to the provision of the gospel. And one of the great things that draw people to the word, to the person of Christ and to his provision is the testimony of his saints. This is to be the cause of the purpose of the church. This is what the church is to do in this world. So this is the atmosphere now that Zacchaeus was arrested by. And this is the Jerusalem, this is the Jericho encounter I want to look at with you now. It involves a man named Zacchaeus. 
What drew Zacchaeus? What drew him to this? I don't know. I, I've got a little bit of information here about Zacchaeus that I'd like to share with you. But before I do that, I'd like to say that Zacchaeus was arrested. Uh, there's such a thing as the Spirit of God going out. We talked a little bit before about the Hound of Heaven. I think last week we mentioned the Hound of Heaven who pursues the soul of mankind and hunts them down in their hiding places. And this is needed now. And uh, the Hound of Heaven actually arrests the soul, drawing them to Christ. Many need to be arrested. You can't see the future Zacchaeus just looking at the present one. If you saw Zacchaeus before Jesus came, you would have witnessed a certain kind of person. And you would have probably thought there's not much, not much hope for him. Uh, he is a man who is um, basically thought of in the same way as people would, in polite society, would think of a prostitute because he's a tax collector. Not only is he a tax collector, but he's the leader of the tax collectors. And tax collectors and prostitutes in the social structure were in the same level at that time. Hated and despised. He didn't care. He wasn't intimidated by any of that kind of thing at all. He was wealthy. He made lots of money collecting taxes. But you'd never be able to really see the future Zacchaeus just looking at the present one. And I think there's a lot of people like that right around us in our society given the right kind of attraction to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. And again, the role of the testimonies of believers is, cannot be underestimated, is profoundly important because it creates a kind of environment. And into that, that environment draws people who are thirsting and dissatisfied and hungry. And all these people that we otherwise would criticize for their voting and for their positions, Inside, they're empty, and they're being drawn to something that absolutely is adversarial to their soul. They're intended to be drawn to Christ. But you have to have an alive church. You have to have an alive believer. You have to have somebody who's praising God in their testimony and saying what great things the Lord has done for them, who is, who is, who is not just trying to give a speech, but who is so thrilled with the transformation in their life that they cannot remain silent. And this draws people. And we need that happening now. This is the church, church's uh, primary purpose. And so in chapter 19 of Luke, we come to Jesus now entering Jericho. Again, it says he was passing through. There was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was a very industrious person. He was a strategic thinker. And he was a leader among people. And he wanted to see Jesus because he's drawn to this atmosphere and environment. He wanted to see him. But he couldn't because of the crowd. Because he was short. Zacchaeus is short. And how we sing the chorus for the children. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Would you like me to sing it for you? So you can tell that he was a problem solver. Zacchaeus, because he has a problem. He wants to see Jesus, but he can't because he's so short. The crowd is blocking his view. But he will not be deterred by that. You know, he didn't become wealthy and a leader of all these tax collectors by being easily deterred. Also, 
in this moment, he is being pursued by the Spirit of God. He's being drawn by the Spirit of God. So you have this encounter now that's about to occur in Jericho. So what he did is he ran ahead. He said, I know what I'll do. There's a sycamore tree up there. And I'm going to run on ahead. I'm going to climb up into that sycamore tree. And I'll see him as he passes by. That's what I'll do. And that's what he did. The thing that is so amazing is that whenever anyone is being drawn by the Spirit of God, the Lord knows that person. The Lord knows everything. And the Lord knows those who are being drawn to himself by his word and by his spirit. He knows their name. He knows all about them. He's not surprised that they're up in a sycamore tree hiding and looking down, waiting for him to face. He's not surprised by any of that because he knows them, because he knows that his word, his, his presence has effectively and is successfully drawing that person to himself. Even though on the surface... The world may look at that person say, and say, that's the least likely person to ever become a follower of Jesus. So rather than rail against all these individuals out there in the society now who are responsible for the opening video that we talked about, I want to say that they uh, need a Jericho encounter. That's what they need. And so he, he did that. He got up into the tree and to wait for Jesus to pass by. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up into the tree, Jesus did, and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to your house. Do we sing going to your house for tea? Is that what I, Yeah, going to your house for tea. All right. So Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because I'm going to your house. I must stay at your house today, Zacchaeus. Now, this encounter is occurring. It says, and he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. His spirit is being drawn. But again, I'm going to say it again. Let's not underestimate the wonderful environment and atmosphere created by those who are following the Lord. Where is it now? Can you hear it now? Do you hear the sound of joyful praise from those who are following Jesus? in the highways and byways of this world? Is that sound audible to us? Can we hear it? I say no. It's too quiet. I'm not talking about just people, you know, human noise. I'm talking about a sound that comes from the joy of a transformed life. Now, there's something that begins to happen here is now he's going to the house of the tax collector, the chief tax collector today. Jesus is going there and, and the people begin to grumble. I mean, they went from praisers to grumblers. And they began to grumble and complain. And they said, um, he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Again, he's just the same as a prostitute as far as we are concerned. That's exactly what they thought of him. And they began to grumble at this. And so my thought is, well, why did they grumble? Well, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to praise the Lord when he has done something great for, you, for us. But it's another thing to continue to praise him when he does something that we don't yet understand. So, well, I don't know why he's going. Well, then be quiet if you don't know why. Just be quiet. Just wait and see. He has a good reason for what he's doing. 
Wait and see respectfully and he will declare it to you. He'll show you what his reasons are if you are quiet and respectful. But don't start grumbling and complaining. Notice what that does to this atmosphere. Notice how the atmosphere would begin to change. Because you have the praisers. That's a wonderful environment that draws people to it. What is going on? What is that we hear? And then you have the grumblers. And the atmosphere completely changes. And those who would be drawn by the praise will be repelled by the grumblers. And it's the same basically group changing from praisers to grumblers because Jesus does doing something that they don't understand or approve of. We have to be very careful about that kind of thing and look at ourselves carefully and say, am I prone to doing the same thing as that? Meanwhile, what's happening is a saint, a future saint is being born. The name is Zacchaeus. <laughs> Zacchaeus, a saint? You've got to be kidding. Yes, he's in the process of being born because of this Jericho encounter. It says, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, now this is really something, going to the home. And the best evidence we have is that this all would be said very publicly now in his own home to the Lord Jesus. As Jesus went to his home. And Zacchaeus says, um, Zacchaeus is moved by and transformed. He's being transformed by the word and spirit of the Lord. And he said, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Now, this is a lot. Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Now, why? what's happening? His love for the Lord surpasses his love for his possessions. His thankfulness to the Lord must be manifested in actions. And as greedy as he has been in his life, in that he has gathered around himself all kinds of possessions, now he is compelled or impelled from within to give that away. And he said, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will, I will give back four times as much. Without getting into all this too deeply, it was common to give back twice what was taken. But in the case of theft of sheep or oxen, you had to give back four, four times. You had to repay four times the value. And so what Zacchaeus is essentially saying is, I am considering myself to be a thief and I will repay if I've defrauded anyone, not twice, not double, but four times. I will look at myself as if I had stolen their sheep or stolen their oxen. And see what he's doing is repenting. This is repentance. All this is a result of repentance and faith. This is a saint being born, Zacchaeus. This is just marvelous and wonderful. And this is a Jericho encounter. And this is what we need happening because look at the change that will occur immediately now as people now begin to say and do things and make decisions and use their logic and their understanding in ways completely different from the way they did before. So we can lament the, the direction that our society is taking and I think we should. But I think what we have to come to grips with is that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world is doing a very poor job of manifesting the atmosphere that draws people to Jesus and begins to say, what is that sound I hear? What is that sound I hear? What is that? What is that? 
I want to know what that is. And Jesus said to him, Today, this day, today, salvation, that is wholeness and deliverance, has come to this house. Because he, Zacchaeus, he also is a son of Abraham. You see, you may see somebody on the same level as a prostitute, but I'm telling you, he's a son of Abraham. And he's eligible for the, for the blessings promised to Abraham. And then Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. And so I want to say to you that the 60 senators who voted in favor of such a horrendous bill, it is horrible. They did that because they are lost. And Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Those 60, he would delight to seek and to save because they are lost. Where's the sound of his presence passing by as evidence through his church? Where is it? The depressed and suicidal, the depressed who is contemplating suicide and they're growing exponentially within our society. We're living in a very depressed world. People have no hope and I, you know, I, I don't, you, you say, do you sympathize or empathize with them? Well, up to a point. But the point is they're lost. They're lost. That's why they are depressed and suicidal because they are lost and Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. The caregivers and the counselors for these people who are directing them towards this uh, end of life encouraging them and helping them to process these things. There are all kinds of them doing that today. Many who would have been opposed to it a short time ago, but who are kind of buying in because they fear for their jobs. All kinds of people are being coerced now to agree with these procedures. And they're doing that because they are lost. And Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Friends and family, not only outsiders, but friends and family members are being caught up now in the spirit of this age. It's a very satanic, antichrist spirit. And people are becoming caught up in it and agreeing to these decisions made by their friends and even family members. Participating in it, gathering around them as they are given their final injection, which will cause their immediate death and gathering around them and sitting there with them and holding their hand as they leave and doing that and feeling they're doing a good thing in doing that. Why? It's a perverted logic, distorted logic. And it happens because, and I'm not saying these things to attack them. I'm saying these things to say they're lost. And that's why they're doing it. And they need to be, need to be sought out and saved. And Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so what is needed, I'll come to a conclusion with you. What is needed is Jericho encounter. All over far and wide, we need Jericho encounters. We need the atmosphere of joyful testimonies to create a sound, create an environment, an atmosphere. But where does that come from? That comes from revival. 
And so the priority in this, and I'll close with this, the priority, number one priority, is a revival in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ among all who profess his name. There needs to be an absolute transformation and a great revival, a reacquaintance with the Messiah in a very intimate and personal way, not to rest on these, our previous experiences, but to come to him again as if we were coming for the first time and to be refreshed in our souls and to be touched there in such a way that it's impossible for us to remain silent about his greatness and about his goodness. And to be like that crowd who followed down from Galilee and to Jerusalem and approached Jericho. Absolutely joyful, praising God for the wonderful things they had experienced and things they saw. That's what the church is to be in this world. Then there will be the outreach. And then those who are in need of being sought and saved will be called to the Lord and will be saved. That's what is needed. And so I'll leave you with those thoughts this morning, all summed up under the subject of Jericho encounter.